Hello, and welcome to another installment of The Weird Chronicles. Each episode, we bring you tales of action and adventure from Malifaux and the other side. On today's episode, we have the conclusion of Formaldehyde Nights. In part one of our story, Dr. McMorning and Sebastian found themselves in an awkward predicament when they were nearly caught attempting to march a half dozen zombies out of the guild mortuary. Fortunately, they were able to fool the guard captain into thinking the corpses were living guardsmen. Will they be able to maintain the charade? Stay tuned to find out. The doctor's hope that the captain would get bored after a few circuits of the mortuary was soon crushed when the other man proposed they investigate the building's sub-basement and do a thorough job of it. He seemed convinced that he was going to find something, and was clearly excited about the idea of usurping his commander's larger investigation the next morning. Can't wait to see old Monty's face when I turn up with the villain by the collar. He kept chuckling to himself as they moved down yet another junk-filled utility corridor. Every so often, the captain would poke at something with his swagger stick, then move on, satisfied that there were no lurking murderers concealed beneath it. I say, he said after perhaps thirty minutes, damn fine discipline in your men, McMorning. Marched all the way down here without a single misstep, and not a word said between them. Oh, yes the doctor said. They're very well-controlled. The captain stopped to admire the rigid zombies, their caps yanked down hard to keep their slack grey faces in shadow. He slapped the nearest one across the midriff with his swagger stick. The zombie never reacted. What's your name, soldier? The zombie's jaw dropped open. <sighs> it wheezed. Her interjected McMorning quickly. It's Scandinavian, I think. Scandinavian, eh? The captain eyed the rigid figure, nodding in approval. Any more at home like you, soldier? Nah, the zombie said. Pity. Captain Feckler sniffed. A couple more men like you and we'd have those dirty resurrectionists licked in no time. Let's press on, shall we, Captain? McMorning said, I'm as eager as you are to see the Commander Montgomery's face when you capture the assassin. Beckler's eyes glinted, and he set off at once. As soon as his back was turned, McMorning hissed in Sebastian's ear, Keep them out of the gaslight or we'll all be for the long drop in the morning. I need to figure out a way to get rid of this idiot. They continued their patrol through the bowels of the mortuary, passing rooms stacked with rusting gurneys and steel cabinets, and cupboards filled with stained linen and canvas. Everything down here smelled faintly of death and mould. McMorning might have rather liked the place were he not in such a fix at the time. After a while, they arrived at an intersection, and the captain paused to take stock. The zombies tramped to a halt, and Sebastian used the lull to wind up a fresh charge for the contraption. What do you think, Captain? McMorning asked, hoping the little man would finally admit defeat and call it a night. Well, this way here looks gloomier, 
Fetler said, indicating one corridor. Were I a fiendish murderer and assassin, I imagine that's the way I'd have gone. He removed his cap and rubbed at his bald pate while he deliberated. Sebastian cranked the device too quickly, and the zombies jolted. Run. One of them moaned as they lurched for the captain's head. What's that? The captain swung around. Panicking, Sebastian fumbled with the half-charged contraption, and the zombies all snapped into a rigid salute. The sixth zombie's hand tore off at the wrist and slapped Sebastian on the side of the head before dropping to the floor. Brains! McMorning shouted, trying to think fast. Yes, good work, men. The little officer frowned, looking up at the coroner. What on earth are you talking about, doctor? The men, McMorning babbled, are suggesting that, that no villainous assassin, no matter their cunning, could outfox the brains of an educated man. A man such as yourself, Captain. No, really? The little man beamed. Now, now, boys. Put those hands down. No need to salute every time I address you. Sebastian released the copper loop, and the trembling zombies slumped with audible exhalations. When no one was looking, he kicked the severed hand away into the darkness behind them. McMorning had to wait until the captain had turned back to his deliberations before mopping at his brow nervously. This isn't working, he hissed to his assistant. We're going to have to try something else. This old fool will have us marching around these tunnels all night. This way, I think, Fekler said, replacing his cap and waving his swagger stick towards a black brick tunnel. McMorning had been hoping to avoid this area. Down that tunnel was an iron trap door that led directly to the sewer system. Any detective worth his salt wouldn't be long in linking the large Sebastian-sized footprints around the trapdoor mouth with the wheelbarrows, severed limbs and bottles of necrotic fluid below. It was a long way to the quarantine zone from here, and these days McMorning's patience was limited. He found it easier to keep some fluid nearby for off-the-cuff experimentation. Even Fekler couldn't be so dense as to miss the connection. Oh, I don't know if that's such a good idea, Captain, McMorning said. With no gas lanterns, a man could easily trip. I'd hate for anyone to fall and break their neck. Unbidden, Sebastian moved up behind the short captain and reached out with one giant paw. No, shrieked the doctor. Sebastian froze, and Fekler looked bemused, oblivious to the squat assistant behind him. No, no amount of consolation would assuage my guilt if you were to come to harm, Captain, he continued awkwardly. Perhaps we should try another way. Hmm. The guard captain twitched his moustache. It is rather dark. I'll leave a note for Monty to send men down here with lanterns in the morning. An excellent suggestion, Captain. As the little man marched the other way, McMorning leaned into Sebastian's ear again. Make sure you've cleared up down there by morning, he said, following the order with a slap across the back of his assistant's head. And that's for very nearly getting us into worse trouble. Keep your hands to yourself, understand? Sebastian nodded sheepishly. Honestly, the doctor muttered as he set off after Captain Feckler, as if I don't have enough problems already. McMorning was beginning to think there was no escape. 
It had been over an hour since he had prevented the captain from finding their secret sewer entrance, and the zombie scrum had tried twice more to crack open the guildsman's head like a boiled egg. Only frantic winding on Sebastian's part had sent enough current into the hungry zombies to stiffen their limbs into immobility. Wear and tear was beginning to take its toll. Their movements were more erratic now, even under direct control. McMorning knew their synapses were starting to burn out, and fairly soon they would start breaking down completely. There was a trail of fingers, ears and other non-essential protuberances littering the tunnels behind them, and the string securing their weapons was coming loose. The one-handed zombie at the back was dragging his rifle after him like a caveman's club, and something strange had happened to his neck. He marched forward as before, but with his head back and his eyes staring up at the roof, jaw hanging open in apparent amazement at something unseen. It wouldn't be long now before Feckler took stock of his men and realised something was amiss. The doctor had started to reconsider getting Sebastian to snap the guild captain's neck after all. It would probably cause infinitely more problems in the long run, but at least it would get him out of his current predicament. He was about to give the word to his assistant when they passed a heavy steel door bearing the plaque Chemical Room. McMorning stared at it for a moment, and then a mischievous grin crawled across his face. He had another idea. Get ready, he whispered to Sebastian. When I give the word, I want you to wind that contraption for all you're worth. When the guild captain was a dozen paces ahead, the coroner drew back the rusty bolt and kicked the door open with all his strength. The boom of the storage room's door slamming against the inner wall filled the tunnel with a rumble like thunder. A cloud of formaldehyde fumes billowed out, and he saw hundreds of glass jars on shelves stretching back into the darkness. It could work, he thought, but timing was everything. Captain! Sebastian! He howled at the top of his voice as Feckler spun around in surprise. In here! He's in here! The captain waved his swagger stick overhead and began charging back down the tunnel. Have at him, men! He roared, don't let the villain escape. Get in there, McMorning shouted, pointing at the entrance to the chemical room with as much dramatic flair as he could summon. Double time it, men. Sebastian began stabbing frantically at the contraption, tongue protruding with effort. The zombies lurched into action, performing a staggering run as they advanced on their elusive quarry's hiding place. In his haste, Sebastian hit several incorrect nailheads, and the zombie soldiers began saluting and high-kicking as they rushed at the doorway. Like an insane cabaret act, the undead soldiers barreled into the chemical room with limbs flailing and swinging. The noise was terrific, between the smashing of breaking glass and hollow clamour of nerveless limbs slamming into metal shelves. McMorning intercepted the running guild captain, pinning him against the wall and putting on his best earnest face. No, sir, it's too dangerous. The crashing and smashing continued as the frantic zombies ricocheted around inside the chemical room. Fight, men, cried McMorning, waving a frantic signal at Sebastian. Fight the intruder! Sebastian looked nonplussed, stabbing at random nailheads while the contraption buzzed and sparked. Let me in there, protested the captain, struggling manfully to escape the coroner's grip 
I must help my men. The stench of formaldehyde was growing stronger as the whirling, jittering zombies smashed dozens, then hundreds of jars with their spasmodic dance macabre. McMorning signalled again, but still Sebastian didn't get it. The doctor rolled his eyes in exasperation, questioning his wisdom in keeping such an adult specimen for an assistant. Fight like the wind, he shouted, making a frantic winding gesture. Sebastian's expression cleared when the message finally sank home, and he began twirling the contraption's lever for all he was worth. His remaining hairs immediately went up like waving snakes with the building's static electricity. The sounds of carnage in the chemical room redoubled as the zombies went into fresh paroxysms from the increasing current, leaping and kicking in mindless abandon. That's it, men, screeched the struggling captain. You've got him on the ropes. The mechanism started to buzz ominously, and still Sebastian wound faster and faster, ignoring the smoke that was billowing from between its wooden seams. With a violent bang, the winding handle sheared off in Sebastian's hand, and a fat blue spark shot down the copper leash toward the chemical room. The formaldehyde-saturated air ignited instantly, and there was a titanic boom as the room exploded. Sebastian was engulfed in a blue-green fireball, and both McMorning and Fetkler were swatted off their feet, skidding twenty yards back along the tunnel. It took a minute or so for the ringing in the doctor's head to subside enough for him to consider getting to his feet. When he finally did, he found Captain Fetkler on his knees, coughing lustily through a singed moustache. Sebastian was still standing where the fireball had found him, apparently unharmed, other than thick black panda rings of soot on his face and a smouldering lab coat. He blinked slowly. Good grief, the captain spluttered when he finally got his breath back. The men! They staggered to the doorway of the chemical room, where the bricks were scorched black and inky smoke was billowing from within. The captain made to step forward, but McMorning held his arm. Don't, sir he said with an award-worthy performance of regret. They, they couldn't have survived. The captain stared into the churning blackness, his eyes brimming. Stout fellows, he burbled. They, they charged in like true guildsmen. We should remember them with pride, sir, McMorning said, struggling to keep relief from spilling out all over his face. They accomplished their mission. Those brave lads, Fekler said, sniffing loudly. Got the blasted villain, even if it meant their own lives. That's true soldiering, McMorning. It is indeed, sir. The coroner nodded solemnly. The captain drew himself to his full height and puffed out his chest. They'll be remembered. I'll see to that. They'll have a memorial. I'll have them build it right in the mortuary courtyard. I'm sure they would have liked that, sir. Give me their names, McMorning, Beckler said. I'll remember them until my dying day. McMorning froze in the act of opening his mouth. Uh, well, out with it, man, the captain snapped. The doctor's mind had blanked. In desperation, he looked at his assistant. Sebastian? He asked. The mortuary assistant frowned in thought. 
By dawn, Feckler was already petitioning noisily to have a statue erected in the centre of the courtyard, and it wasn't long before the local media caught a whiff. The midday edition of the Malifaux Tatler wrote magnanimously about the worthy sacrifice of the selfless six. This was followed by a less flattering article published in the revolutionist circular, Voice from the Breach, which rather insensitively referred to them as the baker's half-dozen. But whatever one's political views, as the story permeated through the city, it was generally agreed that the men were heroes and had made the ultimate sacrifice to safeguard the people of Malifaux. Guardsmen on patrol duty stopped dodging spittle and rotten fruit and began receiving congratulations and hearty handshakes for a job well done. One small detail in this otherwise marvellous boost for public relations, and one that would take much longer to be fully realised, was that none of the guardsmen or officers at the mortuary, or indeed anywhere else in Malifaux, could remember ever having met Privates Odd, Bod, Lumpy, Bumpy, Dancer and Parts before their untimely deaths. But it was a small point, and life in Malifaux was full of mysteries, like why the guild coroner was in such a bad mood, and where his assistant's black eye had come from. It was well into the afternoon before McMorning stumbled back to the morgue, weary and foul-tempered. He had been forced to hold a poisonous grimace alongside the grinning buffoon Feckler for most of the day, while a shouting rabble of reporters popped trays of flash powder and took endless photographic slides. It was a relief to finally return to isolation. Except he wasn't alone. The governor's secretary stood in the centre of the room with his back to McMorning, browsing a copy of the Malifaux Tatler. Quite an adventure last night, he said without turning around. McMorning swallowed. Yes, yes it was. All part of the job, though. He stopped and tried to remember how Feckler had described it. Initiative and all that. Indeed. Lucius idly flipped the page of the paper, his back still turning. Quite odd that none of the senior guild officers recognised any of the men that died, though. And those names, they have a certain desperate quality about them, don't you think? McMorning stumbled. Well, I... I... Uh, I have a suspicion that the selfless six, continued Lucius, ensuring that the Tatler's adopted moniker was wet with sarcasm, were dead long before that explosion. There was a trail of body parts littering the areas you patrolled with Captain Feckler last night. Body parts marked with advanced decay. Not the sort of detritus one expects to be left behind by the robust guild heroes described here in this Fine periodical. Lucius flipped another page. Oh, perfectly reasonable explanation there, McMorning said, slowly reaching for a scalpel on the dissection table at his elbow. Without turning, Lucius drew his sword cane with a flash too quick for the eye to follow and pinned the doctor's hand to the table. McMorning was so astonished that he forgot to scream. The secretary carefully folded the tatler with his free hand, set it down, and then turned to regard the coroner, expressionless and unhurried. Stranger still, he said in the same conversational tone, was what my men found this morning beneath a trap door leading to the sewers. 
quite the treasure trove. Wheelbarrows, body parts, jars of fluid, and the most unique footprints. McMorning cursed Sebastian under his breath, and in response Lucius twisted his cane, turning the glittering blade between the doctor's knuckles. McMorning gritted his teeth against the fiery pain, hisses and giggles escaping him. Oh, yes, he winced. Pressure on the first and second metacarpal bones. Not enough to, ah, to tear the interossei muscles, but very painful. Exquisite, secretary, ah, quite exquisite. I'm glad you approve, the secretary said. I trust you will behave yourself. McMorning nodded and the sword cane vanished back into its scabbard as quickly as it had appeared. The coroner examined his narrow wound, noting the clean edges. That blade must have been as sharp as his scalpel. I have one thing in common with Fekla, Lucius was saying. I appreciate your initiative, and I think the Guild could use your talents in another area. Uh, what? McMorning blinked. A man of your specific talents is wasted here, Doctor. Surely you see that. Imagine if you had the time and the manpower to implement your skills beyond the scrutiny and judgment of small minds and with the full support of the Guild. Imagine what you could achieve with an unlimited budget and all the test subjects you desired. A tempting idea, Secretary, but I doubt my proclivities would be received as warmly as you profess. You would be surprised, Lucius said. I employ a number of like-minded men, and they are all well paid for their discretion, and for those without it. Well, I am always deeply saddened when someone in my employ fails to turn in a report because of extenuating circumstances. Ah, McMorning lighted up like having their lips sewn shut. Lucius faced him silently, the golden mask revealing neither amusement nor revulsion. I'm glad we understand each other, Doctor. But what do you get out of all of this? McMorning asked, massaging his skewered hand. A favour. A favour only a man of your specific talents and discretion could accomplish. Oh, McMorning raised his eyebrows. Lucius patiently watched him for a long moment, then reached up and removed his mask with care. McMorning's eyes widened, and then a grin broke out across his face. I can work with this. That's it for another episode of The Weird Chronicles. Join us next time for more tales of action and adventure.